Dear Lord, as we prepare, as we prepare to turn to Scripture, as we have listened to to the the, the concept that maybe we carry a whiteboard in, in, inside of us, and hey, Lord, as we turn to the Scripture, we ask that you, you, we know you've cleaned that whiteboard. May we clean that whiteboard that we may hear what is to be said to us this day. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the confidence to know that whatever transpired in the past is gone. It's over. And we have an opportunity to hear these passages anew. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got a couple of readings this morning, as I typically do. One is from 1 Samuel. The other is from the Gospel according to Mark. Okay? And so the 1 Samuel chapter 1, right there in the opening of 1 Samuel, we get that it, it, amid gross misunderstandings, barrenness of a woman was wrongly considered spiritual disfavor and sincere prayer was falsely equated with drunkenness. And you'll understand what I meant by that. But God's servant Hannah received assurance of God's favor in this passage. 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 4 through 20. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. So the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival, Peninnah, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her. Hannah's womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. She's talking of Samuel, by the way. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be drunken, a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And Hannah said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 
They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house in Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Thus ends the reading of the Old Testament. We turn to this reading of the Gospel according to Mark. Later in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, the introduction to this would be using the language of apocalyptic literature, end of times literature, to describe disturbing developments related to the end times, Jesus assures his followers that not even the worst that happens can invalidate the promise of God's word regarding salvation. And it begins, As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to him, to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And you, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of my sermon this morning is Unanswerable. Unanswerable. And the question I'm asking this morning is, or I'm going to try to answer this morning, is when will the end come? And then I have a trailing question to say, what would you do if you knew? Jenkinsville, South Carolina. Jenkinsville, South Carolina. Was the, it was in the news earlier this month, about the, November the 1st. And it is a town of, it's a whopping large town of 43 people. Northwest of Columbia, South Carolina. Not much happened in Jenkinsville until this October. Last week of October, they had five earthquakes. Five earthquakes in this sleepy little town. And one measured a magnitude of 2.2. That's enough to make you feel like you're on a vibrator. Imagine the conversations going on at the local Presbyterian church there in Jenkinsville. They do have one, they have two, they have three. I can't imagine what the attendance is. So, but they split them up, all 43 people. So, and, and, wonder, and, and so, 
back in that local Presbyterian church, wondering if the end is truly near for us. You know, it's the deep south. And so, but all someone needs to add to get a rise out of a Christian in such conversations is, it says it in the Bible. It says it in the Bible. There will be earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of the birth pains. Then they add, see, see, the end is coming. I told you this COVID-19 is part of a bigger story. Signs of the close of the age. Then a scientist enters. According to Dr. Steve Jalma, he's at the uh, Department of Geology and Environmental Geosciences in the College of Charleston. They didn't have to go far to find him. Random bursts of earthquakes are common, he said. We see this, and he goes on, and I'm quoting him now, we see this worldwide that happens associated with reservoirs. Associated with reservoirs. Jalma said, but most reservoirs don't do this, but there are a select few around the planet, and right there next to Jenkinsville, South Carolina, is the Monticello Reservoir. And they experience these swarms of earthquakes around this reservoir. And what they believe happens is that reservoirs are not naturally made. So you fill up this basin of water and it mashes down the ground below it and then it seeps into the fissures of the rock which are there naturally. And so between the action of the weight of this immense pond, immense reservoir, and then the action of the water down below, that tremors and earthquakes are natural. Or it can be natural around a reservoir. So now, that said... Instead of considering the people who see the world as ending, as misguided, I've probably been there myself. Let us consider a motivating factor. Let's consider a motivating factor why somebody would want to know when the world is going to end. Why would somebody know when this is going to be over? People who suffer innocently without having committed any malevolent act understandably want to know when their suffering will end. That was by Thomas Slater, by the way. Uh, perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you've wanted to know when this will end. Huh. Perhaps you have wanted a sign that this suffering will soon be over. How about the long-awaited test results that shows an improvement, an abatement, a remission, a cancer-free pronouncement? Can you imagine why those who celebrate cancer-free anniversaries and anniversary dates do so? Because it's incredible. Yes, it was that they got the sign that the suffering, the potential for suffering, had come to an end. For the readers of Mark, they heard in this passage, tell us that the end will come, but it will bring some hard times and Christians should prepare themselves. What is lost on us is that the people reading Mark had yet to experience the Roman assault on their city, on their communities. As my mother would say to her children, to me especially when appropriate, you think you had it bad... My mom was quite a character. As much as we want a sign, the Bible still speaks to us and warns us that our attempts to protect that parousia, the end of times, are wasteful and unbiblical. Spending time discussing the possibilities of what might be coming is wasteful. I'll repeat that. But we look at the way the world governments are behaving and we speculate. We experience this SARS-CoV-2 virus and wonder how much longer will we, until there's herd immunity. 
we see the rise of cryptocurrency. Some of you may not know what that is, but cryptocurrency is a digital currency that simply exists electronically. There's no physical coin or bill unless you use another service to turn it into a token. And cryptocurrency, people wonder, what, is, what impact is that going to have on the world financial markets? Disruption, possibly. But, you know, such discussions are a possibility of being wasteful. We have only been given so much time on this earth. We do suffer innocently. There are people that contract diseases. There are people that, that have cancers. There's people that, that they did nothing. Nothing. It's like the story of the person who has lung cancer and never smoked a day in their life. No one in their home ever smoked. We do struggle when doing everything right. We've all had that friend. I had a friend that died just a few years ago. He, was a, he raced bikes, uh, um, um, cycles, pedal bikes. There we go. And so, and he was the epitome of fitness. Epitome of fitness. I mean, his, his body fat was so low and his endurance was so high. One day his wife called me and he was dead. He just died. He just died in the fit of all of his health. He did everything right. He lived right. He lived clean. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He was dead. We do suffer innocently. And we do struggle. We do struggle when doing everything right. We simply do not know when the end will come. Guess what? It's up to God. Rick Warren, that popular pastor, he said, while you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. Just saying that reminds me of a, a habit I have. When I take the car to the mechanic for service, they take my keys and then send me to the customer waiting room and I sit down and stare at the TV for a moment. I get up and go over to check out the coffee that's been sitting there for a few hours and then I notice the Freedom Farms donuts. Do you have, have you ever had Freedom Farms donuts? Up there. Yeah, Gail, you have, yeah. They're good. But they're all picked over by the time I drop my car off. I pour a bit of coffee. I grab one of the stale donuts and go back to my seat and sit. But before I take my first bite, here's where my habit is. Before I take my first bite, I get up again and go back to the service desk. Peek around the corner. You know how sometimes the service uh, area has a window so you can see what, if your car is still sitting there? Well, I peek around the corner through the window and I see that, see if they've taken my car to the lift. And if they haven't, I wonder when. And I keep going back until I see it gone. I haven't done anything. I didn't go call, talk to the technician. I just, something about I want to see if they're, if they're doing anything, if they're working. I simply wanted to know if they're working. Typically, the car is then out of sight. I did have a Honda dealer back in Virginia that had a window into the, into the service bay, and that was really cool. But typically, that's not the case. So it's out of sight. It's gone. I don't know if they're working or not. It could be sitting in there while they're taking my lunch break. Well, it would be nice if we had a window into heaven. If we had a window so we could see God working, that we could see God doing God's stuff. But we don't. Waiting on God 
It's like handing over your car to the service desk and leaving the dealership in a courtesy van and never looking back, never calling to check on the progress, just waiting at home till you get that call. As Rick Warren said, while you're waiting, God is working. Lately, we had a wonderful stewardship campaign. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful stewardship campaign. Um, Marshall Bond presented it to the session months ago, and everybody fell in line, and everybody did their part, and rightly so, they left me and the guy, the guy in the pulpit to do the last one. So, but the thing is, is that you know what I spoke on this morning of, of when will the end come is not unlike we do in churches throughout this country right now. Churches. It, it, the evangelicals, everybody, everybody's suffering. Everybody's suffering. It's a rare church that's not. Because this pandemic is like punched churches in the stomach. Because it's either divided the church, people have run home, people have died, significant people have died due to the virus. And so therefore the churches are like lost in the, and they're, they're, they're changing shape and they're changing their organization and not because they wanted to. It's just what happens when chaos ensues. When will this end? When will it be over? When? We listen to the papers. We listen to our doctors. We listen to whoever wants to talk about it. And there's no clue as to what going to happen? How long will we be needing these vaccines? Will these vaccines be something we take for the rest of our lives, perhaps for the rest of humanity? It's all possible, just like flu shots. It could be that COVID shots are right there next to them. We don't know. But wouldn't it be nice if we knew when it was going to end? But then the question is, what would you do? What would you do if you knew when the earth was going to end? When, what would you do when, you, when we, you knew we were going to get called up to heaven? Would you like... Live like a little demon until you got really close to it? It's a thought. But what would you do if you knew? It's kind of like the same to be said of any kind of medical procedure or any type of you know, job application. or any. It's like we constantly are in this mode of like, we want to know, where's it going? Where's this going? Where's this sermon going? You know, it's like, but the thing is, is that there's a point where it just wears us out. And I find churches across this country, Presbyterian churches, my own church, are, are growing weary, growing tired. I made a change in the annual meeting this, this morning. And it wasn't out of any spite or anything. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting tired. We can slow down. We can call the shots. We can ease into things. There's nobody making us do anything but worship, but we love God. There's a message in here, there's a feeling in here that that's really love God, love your neighbor. And everything else will fall into place. Because while we're waiting, God is working. God is working on all of you. God is working to keep this church going. Think about how many things this church has gone through. And I hear people say, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, this church is going to close. Think about how many things this church has been through. It went through the Civil War. It went through the Industrial Revolution. It went through World War One. It went through World War Two. It made it through the Korean War, sending their loved ones overseas. It made it through the Vietnam War. And in the midst of that, 
it made it through the Great Depression. And it made it through the craziness of that financial debacle of 2008. It keeps coming back. This church won't disappear until God no longer has a use for it. No matter what you do. No matter what you do. As long as God sees a use for this church sitting on this hill, the highest point in Allegheny County, as long as it's sitting there and God can have a use for it, it's going to keep going. And if you can't do it, God will find somebody that can. Because while you're waiting, God is working. As I've told you before, when I was installed in my very first church, my brother was there. You've met my brother. My brother was there. He's always full of himself. He walked up to me and everybody just been, you know, gushing over. They're, they're glad to have a new pastor and this and that. And Nelson came up and he put his arm around me, his right arm around me. He put his arm around me and he whispered in my ear, remember this, God's already working on your replacement. <laughs> I hope you hear that. So, but with that, with that, when will the end come? It's unanswerable. But then what will we do if we knew? The grand apocalypse. There's rumors of ends of time. So it's wasteful to, wasteful to just even talk about it. To know, to foretell. Yeah, it'd be nice. But I don't know that I'd do anything different if I knew it was coming. And if I knew when. Because I tend to be a man who lives in the moment and enjoys the people around me. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we go on from this, as we have our annual meeting, as Lord, as we, as we do those things we know to do, may we also give You glory for sustaining us in this church through this pandemic and on back into history. Through challenges, through potholes, through whatever it may be, Lord, You've held us together. We still have a mission. Help us to get there. And when we have to just stop and rest and wait, may we know, help us to believe that You're working even when we can't see You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.